ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, 18 plus. You are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and I have the most special guest. He has traveled the furthest, all the way coming in from Denver, Colorado, by way of Texas, by way of Tennessee, by way of Michigan. 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 Um, he is the one, the only, Dr. Bruce Lund. Dr. Bruce, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, you are a sales coach. You have your PhD in human performance. Yep. And you travel the country doing what specifically? Helping people reach their full potential. Helping people reach their full potential. And before we clicked lights, camera, action, you and I were talking about human performance. Yep. That's your, your dissertation, your PhD. You can go to college and you can study human performance. Who knew? Who knew? So a couple, couple questions. Why human performance? And then what exactly is human performance? I have a couple of guesses, but instead of me guessing, how about you just share it with us? And that, that way we can keep things on track, less rabbit holes, and maybe we can do a timely episode. Well, the why and the what, it, it, you know, it goes back into my own personal story. And, um, you know, I grew up in small town, Michigan. Uh, honestly, I grew up in a trailer. My, my dad was an alcoholic most of my life. My mom was working multiple jobs. And so I would just VHS record these athletes growing up. Uh, you know, I'm 10 to 12 years old, and I, I just love sports. Sports was always my release. Okay. And I would just record these athletes, like Ray Allen shoot a jump shot when he's at UConn, and Alex Rodriguez hitting a baseball, and, you know, Greg Maddox throwing a baseball. So human performance, going all the way back, I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to, again, reach my full potential in baseball or football or basketball. So what better way than to study other successful people that are doing it at the highest level internalize what you can or can't do well and then go out there and do it so essentially you know going all the way back to 10 years old i didn't know that i wanted to go get a phd in human performance i just knew that you know behavioral sciences human performance studying other people internalizing it and going and doing it so and what what started at 10 was was physical performance correct okay yep. Um, and at some point, it's going to probably parlay to, would it be mental or emotional performance? Well, it's, it's, it's mental, physical, emotional. It's, it's all the above. Okay. You know? And how it all ties in together? Exactly right. Okay. Yep. Um, so you fast forward. So that was 10. Like, obviously, child with childlike curiosity yep. into human performance. Um, later, later in life, you graduate with your bachelor's degree in... English slash communications. Um, you know, I was actually going to be a teacher and then something happened uh, in my life. I actually got in trouble. I got a minor in possession. Okay. okay. So I got in trouble for drinking when I was 20 years old at a bar. Uh, we're, go we're going like straight. That's like a, that's like a right of passage story. though, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, not when you're at a division three, you know, Christian school, liberal arts school. It's, oh, it's kind of frowned upon. That's kind of frowned down upon. Okay. Yeah. But it's kind of funny, you know, talk about Garth Brooks' unanswered prayers. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, it ended up being probably one of the better things that, that happened to me at that time. It was like a month before my birthday, but they didn't let you become a teacher if you got something like that that happened to you. That so, was in Tennessee and Michigan? That was in Michigan. In yep. Michigan, okay. Yep. So I had to kind of pivot there. I'm like, all right, well, that, that oh shit moment, right? Yes. Like, what am I going to go do now? I was going to be a teacher, and that's when I got into journalism. Okay. So I started doing sport journalism, all that kind of stuff. So it's so funny how you know, defining moments, our lives lead us down these paths. So when, when you decided to go back to school, did you decide at that point, you know what, I want to go for my PhD or, or was it a, a transition where you're like, I'm going to go back for my master's and your master's led you to your PhD? 
So again, that's that's a loaded question. I was actually doing a video this morning, in fact, um, 11 years ago, uh, this past weekend, week one of NFL. I know we're trying to make these evergreen and not date them, so I just did that. But week one of NFL, I moved to Nashville uh, to go work on my, my PhD or work on my you know graduate teaching assistant. Okay. And I got down there, and my graduate advisor is like, oh, yeah, by the way, this position isn't open anymore. So I picked up everything that I owned in my expedition. I drive down there. Here I am. I'm staying on a buddy's couch waiting to start grad school, and that position is no longer open. You're at least in a very fun city, though. Yes. Like, at a minimum, if you're going to end up somewhere where it's a bit of a, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? Yep. At least you have Broadway. At least, at least you have the honky tonks on Broadway. And that was a major reason why I didn't go back to Michigan <laughs> and, and to get my old job back. But, you know, talking about, like, why human performance – um, you know, I actually had a crucial conversation and I talk about this, you know, like I, I believe trained people always outperform untrained people. That's a belief that I have. I believe that everybody needs a coach in areas that are important. But Say that again, hold on. Trained people, trained people do what? Trained people always outperform untrained people, right? That's one very basic core belief that I have in life. The reason I believe that I'm a former college athlete, having a PhD, right? There's so many great coaches out there who saw the good in me when it was easy to see the bad. And yep. so one of the reasons why I decided to go start grad school in Tennessee was I was uh, substitute teaching and coaching at, a, at, at my former high school, my small town high school. And I'll never forget this. Uh, my, one of the teachers that I really respected, and I've never heard her swear in, in, in my life, she just, one day we're in the teacher's lounge together. And it's just the two of us. And, and pardon my French, but she's like, what the f are you doing here still? <laughs> and I was like, you know, you're like, whoa, what? And she's like, you have so much more potential than this. So that's why, you know, everything to me comes back to potential. Okay. And what is your potential for yourself? So I just, I'm, I said, you know what, you're right. And I just started applying for jobs all over the country uh, through a website called Work in Sports because I knew I wanted to work in sports. My entire life at that point has been sports related. And that's where this, this graduate teaching assistant position was open at Middle Tennessee State down uh, in Tennessee. And I barely passed a graduate recording exam, just barely. My car's packed. I go down there and that's when oh yeah, this position isn't open anymore. They said it was mine. I get down there. It's no longer mine kind of a thing. So, wow. Yeah. So how'd you pivot from there? Uh, you know, I started working temp jobs. I was okay. working temp jobs. I have this $100,000 degree, you know, and I'm not even using it. And it would actually cost me more money to drive my car to these temp jobs uh, than it did that I was actually making. Because at that point, gas was $4 a gallon, right? But I just knew, like you said, number one, Nashville's a cool city. Uh, but number two is like, I really didn't have much to go back to anyways. So it's just one of those, you got to figure it out kind of a thing. I'm all in on whatever this bigger picture is. And I ended up just leveraging uh, that job into selling gym memberships. My first sales job, I had leveraged the sales job into uh, a Nashville Sounds, a AAA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. Working community relations with them. I leveraged that into that graduate advisor that I talked about that said the job's not open anymore getting him tickets to games okay, um, kind of a thing. So it's all these little things. Grease the wheel awesome. a little bit. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then did you end up getting a graduate advisor position ultimately? Ultimately I did. Okay. And, and here's the fascinating thing is I became the first ever student without a master's that they accepted in as a PhD candidate. So the reason that was important is normally it's nine month stipends as a graduate advisor. Okay. And it turned into 12 month and double the salary. Um, so it was, it actually kind of being, like I said, like a godsend sort of a so thing. So it allows you to obtain your PhD while also earning working a paycheck. It, well, that and working on my master's. Level. Okay. Correct. Yep. What, um, so when you, and I only have a bachelor of arts degree, um, didn't even do bachelor of science cause it was too much math. 
Um, so it's a Bachelor <laughs> of Arts, it's an advertising public relations degree. But what it, what would your master's be in then? It's in uh, sport management. Okay. Sport so, management. So sport sports management into human behavior. Yep, exactly. And then ultimately, PhD in human behavior, you taught down in Texas, right? You yep. taught at, at, in the university system, the Texas A&M University yep. system in, in Texas. Were you, were you teaching business? Were you teaching human behavior? Sport business. Sport so business, I ran, okay. I was one of the youngest ever uh, sport business um, program directors there while I was teaching classes, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was, you know, I want to go be a career author and speaker. And I wrote a book when I was 26 called an expert where you're the next expert. So that was really what I wanted to go do is help that next generation of, you know, career success, all those kinds of things, which is why you're here today. I mean, yes. honestly, you and I were just connected last week through, um, national mortgage insurance. So yeah. you say uh, last week, like three days ago, like three days ago. Right. <laughs> and uh, true story. I'm driving to the barn. I'm taking my daughter and, and her friend horseback riding for the day, taking them to their lessons. And I was going to have the luxury of, I got to uh, work out a four-year-old mare who, um, she wasn't having it, but that's for a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, you and I are on the phone for that 25 minute drive. And the whole time we're talking, I'm like, wow, we are running parallels here in terms of who our target audience is yep. and what drives us in terms of wanting to pay it forward, but really help the next generation of sales professionals, exactly the right. next generation of, for me, home buyers or future leaders. Yep. Um, so human performance. So this, I really want to dive deep into this because it's extremely intriguing. Uh, we we talked off air about my 75 day, uh, 75 hard challenge yep. and the books that I'm reading. And obviously human performance isn't just the physical aspect, it's the mental aspect. And you even been mentioned that human performance uh, can even correlate into our theme of everything you should have learned in high school, but didn't because you told me like, Hey, as a father, there's some certain aspects of human performance that your 13 year old and your 15 year old aren't learning in school. Yeah. And it's up to me as a parent to teach, but how about, how does human performance correlate to today's college students, today's 30 something business professionals, tomorrow's future leaders? Yeah, that's a great question. These these are like uh, you know, if these are like billion dollar questions that we're having right now, right? Like I always get asked, like how can I better um, motivate my my child? And I mean, it's like whoa, that's, <laughs> that's a loaded question. But you know, talking about human performance and especially you know the next generation, which we both are very passionate about helping out. Um, I think everything comes down to ninety nine percent of this is mindset. Like you're saying, whether it's I want to look the the best that I ever want to look. Well, there's a certain reason why you want to do that. And, it, and to me, it almost always has to be internal versus external. Internal meaning it's some kind of greater purpose for yourself. External, there's always going to be external factors that can help us get there that are important, our kids, our family, you know, all those kinds of things. But at a certain point, you have to own it internally because when it gets hard, it's not a matter of if it's going to get hard. When it gets hard, right, we all have a propensity to go to old ha bad habits in new ways, mm -hmm. right? So when that happens for us, we have to go want to go, whatever that is, whether it's a vision board, all, all, those, all those kinds of things, it's super important. But I would, so I would say 90% of all human performance really comes down to your own individual mindset, right? We've all heard we become the sum total of those we hang around the most, Yes. right? So obviously having a support group is, is super important within all that. But, you know, talking about the next generation, one of the things that I'm like, like talking about your kids, it's like they don't teach emotional intelligence in schooling. They don't teach social intelligence, right? No. Um, luckily, if you're a part of organizations or for me, like sports, like, you know, you learn, hey, there's like, like in college, I was a pitcher. There's three positions. 
that, that are open for pitchers. And we have 15 different people fighting for those three positions. Well, emotional and social intelligence tells me, man, it's, I'm going to have to grind. I'm going to have to work hard. I'm going to have to, I want, like, I'm, my, it's a dominant focus for me to go get that position and do whatever it takes. But again, we're not taught those kinds of things. And the number one indicator of success for all people is emotional and social intelligence, but yet we don't have classes. What's the that. biggest barrier to emotional intelligence? Like any self-imposed barriers or maybe may be barriers that were put in place through childhood that we didn't recognize they were being put in place. And, and how could one eliminate that barrier? Yeah, I think the emotional intelligence part of, you know, like self-made millionaires, we, we've all heard those kinds of stats, right? They typically come from low upbringings, you know, maybe the father figure wasn't around and stuff like that. But it's because, again, they don't have any other choice. They have to go figure it out. They're, most of their lives have been them just figuring shit out on their own kind of a thing. So a lot of times the emotional intelligence, I mean, that past scripting is such a big part of it. I don't know if, have you heard of the book, The Happiness Project? I have not. Okay. Uh, the Happiness Project says this. And I mean, I'm not sure if the stats and the science behind this is correct, but what Gretchen Rubin says is 50% of your happiness is born into you. Okay. Right? And then basically 40% is scripted into you by your upbringing and by your parents and all the, you know all those kinds of things so we can really only control about 10 percent of it so it's really fascinating when you think about well 90 percent of it it's almost out of my control and i can control 10 percent of it that's a very small percentage but a lot of this does have to do with our upbringings and you know talking about like the next year i know we're talking about loan officers yeah. but you know the next generation loan officer you know it's just as important the system and the mentors that they get put into uh, early on in, in their careers, you know, we're talking about football season, right? It's just as important for NFL rookie quarterback. The system that they get put into is just as important as anything else within all this, because that's the human performance side of it is we, th there's such a small thing, you know, I call those intangibles. The intangibles make up the big things for all of us. So if we get put in the right position with the right situation, with the right mentors, then we're going to accelerate to our fullest potential. If we're not put in those situations, it's incredibly difficult for us to go out there and succeed. And we see that in real estate, like real estate agents, right? Is it like 5% of them actually achieve, uh, succeed in the first two years or something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, Pareto's principle is when it comes to whether it's selling real estate, being a loan originator, a financial advisor, life insurance, yep. it, the 80-20 rule becomes closer to the 90-10 rule. I agree. Yeah, if, if not 95-5 rule. Um, you mentioned things like, the, the company you keep, or I've heard you mention twice now, seeking a mentor. Yeah. Um, obviously, those are pretty basic concepts that maybe not enough people follow. Yeah. Is, is there a, like a self-imposed barrier? What, what do you think keeps, or what have your, what has your research showed that shown, what keeps people from being able to tap into their full potential? Mm -hmm. Or what keeps them from, you know, they can verbalize what they want, yeah. but for whatever reason they don't go get it. What's, yep. what's the missing link the, there? You know, that's a very interesting question. Um, you know, the best definition that I have talking about like potential, like what is potential? You know, that's a, that's a place to start with everyone. And my former mentor told me, you know, potential is just energy that is stored until utilized. Right. Okay. So we all have energy that's inside of us that's stored until utilized. Now, a lot of times you have to tap into that potential and that's what great coaches do. You know, I say great coaches do three things for us. They make us have conversations we don't want to have. They make us do some things that we probably don't want to do, but they help us become something we never thought we could become on our own. That's huge. You know, that's, that's, 
Yeah, spot on. Yep. So those are the three things. If you think about any great coach, trainer, teacher, mentor for you, that hopefully they're doing that. They're having those crucial conversations. Yeah, and, and by the way, coach, in my world, it's not just sports. It's, it's I mean, exactly co- right. coach could be a marriage counselor. It could be a financial advisor. Yep. Uh, coach could be your loan officer. Yep. It could be, or if you're in business, it is your manager. And if your manager isn't doing those three things, then I'm guessing you need to seek external coaches to do those things if you truly want to accomplish what you verbalize. I find so many times people verbalize, oh, I want to achieve X, but they don't know how to achieve X. And then they don't go out and seek it uh, from outside sources or even from internal sources. Well, and you got to exactly right. You have to define it. That's why I love using the term dominant focus. Okay. It's got to be a dominant focus for you because it's not a matter of if it's going to get hard. It's a matter of when, right? You're going to get punched in the mouth. We all start out with great, with, with good intentions, with anything that we do. 75 hard, right? Like, you know, I'm going to go do this. And then the first three to five days, you're like, well, maybe I don't want to do it that much. Yeah. Were you going to quote Mike Tyson? Um, we all have a plan until we get punched in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that because yeah. that is so true. And life does punch us. Mm-hmm. Like, And it's way easier if you go in there expecting, hey, I'm going to get punched. It's going to hurt, yep. but I'm going to be okay. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, so back on human performance. Because yep. I really, I mean, like I keep on saying human performance. I feel performance, like I'm a politician. Human I'm talking in circles. I'm talking yeah. around. No, but but when, when <laughs> um, so let's, let's look at human performance when it comes to the business world. Yeah. Right, whether I am an attorney who just left my first law practice and I'm starting my own. I'm a, I'm a, a dentist doing the same thing, a doctor doing the same thing, a mortgage loan originator, a loan officer, yep. a realtor. Like, What is it about human performance when you study it that if you could get into any one of those professionals' ears early on, yep. what are three things, knowing what you know about human performance, that you would tell them Look, you need to do these three things if you want to make sure that you have staying power and you achieve the goals that you set out to achieve. Well, I teach the five habits of highly effective salespeople. Okay. Right? So you, I know you want three, but I mean, there's really five systems or five habits uh, fundamentally that, that I really coach people on um, for the long term. Okay. You know, so what are those five? The first three are sales, all sales built. So number one would be uh, having something to say. I call that turning your beliefs into money. Before I tell you what I do, let me tell you what I believe and then why I believe it and then what I actually do. Most people commoditize themselves in the very first three to five words out of their mouths. So, you know, to me, it's much deeper than having a pitch or a unique value proposition. We've heard that a a million times. Um, So I really believe that habit number one is helping the individual person find, package, and sell their special. And again, not to dog on the schooling system. I was a professor. There's a lot of great coaches or, or, um, you know, professors out there, teachers out there, but the schooling system does a pitiful job of helping individual people find package and sell their special. Because think about schooling, like be seen, but don't be heard, right? Uh, Go where the herd goes. I mean, you get in trouble for going and talking to strangers and all these different kinds of things. You imagine doing that in business? Yeah, it wouldn't work. It would never work. Yes. Right. So a lot of this is predisposed into us early on. um, That doesn't really set up entrepreneurs when it comes to the schooling system. So the first part to me is you have to have something to say that differentiates you individually. And because of that, now I'm going to connect. You're talking about human performance. There's two or three things that we're going to connect on. It could be sports. It could be family. It could be any number of different things, right? It could be our upbringings. But in today's world, you know, talk about building rapport. 
we all we've all heard no like and trust yes. for as long as we've been in business and i'm not disagreeing with that i completely agree with carnegie people do business with those they know like and trust but there's a fourth ingredient that i'm working on a ted talk right now for and it's probably gonna be my book that i write it's respect respect is the number one ingredient there's actually studies behind it why do people use you in business trust and respect are actually the two biggest things but yet we don't talk about respect nearly as much respect comes from being battle tested respect comes from you know doing the heavy lifting that's required to go be successful respect comes from having a story from your past right don't suppress the past celebrate it that's what makes you who you are and that gives substance as to why you do what you do but so many people can't answer that part of it right the vh1 story behind the story so i always teach people have a five to ten word tagline i already told you mine train people outperform untrained people I have my entire life motto down to five words. Trained people. Trained people outperform oh, trained, untrained. Yep, trained, yep, trained yep. people. It's my, my entire life is built around five words. Now, that's not earth shattering. But what I'm trying to figure out when I tell somebody that is, do you share my beliefs? Because as we all know, if, if, if I'm trying to convince you that I'm good enough, if I'm trying to convince you to share my beliefs, it's not going to be a good partnership. Uh, now and for the long term. Yeah. Would you rather know in the first 15 seconds if somebody fits your filter as the buyer versus the seller or chase them for 15 months? Most people in sales are taught to chase oh, and to convince. I want a quick no. I mean, if it's yeah. a no, it's a no. Yep. I mean, that's actually probably one of the best things that Sandler sales training yep. does is Sandler says, get to the no quick. Yep. Um, and if, if you can, then great. And that's when you, you figure out, well, there's enough people willing to do business the way that I do. I think it's Zig Ziglar, right? Enough people willing to do business the way that I do business. I don't need to do business with those that don't. Yep. Speaking of Carnegie, by the way, heard this on a podcast. So I don't know. I didn't go back and, and cross-reference it and, and fact-check it. But supposedly, he might have been, can't use the word fraud ever, but um, Carnegie, the way he spells it, wasn't the way he was born <laughs> yeah. with Carnegie. I did hear that. He definitely played on the Carnegie family, yep. the billionaire family, um, and changed his name in order to attract more people to listen to him. I did hear that same thing. Yeah, That's but uh, you know that that may be very well just um, classic and classical marketing. Yep. Um, you know, went with a stage name, a pen name. Uh, that was uh, a little bit more um, popular during that time. Mm -hmm. uh, but we actually quoted uh, Dale Carnegie on an episode we did a couple weeks ago, I think, or last week, um, just talking about his uh, how to win friends and influence yeah. others and yeah. so all, if, all that. So if I could just say, you, you had mentioned like the, the, the get to know quicker. And, and if we're going to focus on the next gen generation loan officer, when you're younger and newer in sales, that's something incredibly invaluable to learn early on. But it's incredibly hard isn't it? Because you're, every one deal could be, you know, you putting food on the table for your family, mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of times you do early on, you're, you just chase and you chase and you chase and it's exhausting, you know? And, and I say, there's no such thing as time management. There's only energy management. At the end of the day, we only have so much good energy. Like today, you know, we're, we're Monday again, I hate to date this It's Monday after week one at NFL. If you went out there and had Sunday fun day, <laughs> right? You only have so much good energy to give today, man. And so the question becomes, who are you spending that time with? That's Again, that's human performance. Once you understand the filter of people, I don't have a problem hopping in my car, driving from Daytona to Orlando this morning to have a podcast with you because I know from Friday's conversation, we have good energy. We yes. have good synergies already, right? So that's another big part of this is if you're a brand new loan officer out there and you're chasing all these 
real estate agents that don't value who you are and they're not even doing business anyways and you're taking you're booking these meetings and not showing up at those meetings we only have so much good energy and if you can figure out that filter early on man it's huge but that's why i go back into you have to know what you believe and why you believe it before we are actually talk about the commodity yeah you know it's interesting probably uh, just food for thought um our polling shows that only like 38 to 42 percent of our audience are loan originators interesting yep so the name the loan officer podcast we stuck with it knowing by about week two that we weren't going to be specific to loan officers because we really love to focus on everything you should learn you should have learned in high school yep. but didn't because it wasn't taught but i kept the name a because jc the producer extraordinaire was like hey look a lot of my research says we're going to keep the name. Mm -hmm. We're just going to make everyone understand what the name means. But as a loan officer, I realized that every person in America could use having a good loan officer in their back pocket because mm -hmm. loan officers know people. Yep. Their job, if they're good at it, is to be a connector, to be out there. So whether you needed a name to a good attorney, they should have one. Name to a good CPA, sure. they should have one. A good realtor, a good builder, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. So we kept it, the Loan Officer Podcast. And loan officers and mortgage professionals are a large chunk of our audience. Yep. But it's not uh, it's not the, the end-all, be-all of our audience. Um, but you're talking about loan officers, and you're talking about um, the, the energy that you have. Mm -hmm. And there is a young professional, uh, young in her career, uh, young, young in life as well, but um, moves from Southern California to Idaho. By the way, well, you're in Denver, so you may, may know this. That's a big thing right now. People are fleeing California mm -hmm. for Boise. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it's Boise. I've been uh, corrected, Boise. And she and her husband did this, packed up, moved everything. And she sold her like fitness business and became a loan officer. Yeah. Well, really a loan officer assistant, nine months later, a loan officer. Okay, she's one of the top producers in the entire country within I'm talking like two years yep. one of her mottos she only works with people that she and her husband would enjoy going to dinner with period in yeah. the story yeah I'm like wow that is the exact opposite of how I was brought up in this business where it's a shotgun approach and mm -hmm. gotta get out there and talk to as many people and then I hear you talk about having only X amount of good energy yep. that you know maybe when we talk about human behavior and human performance, the energy that we have is near and dear, and we should only use it on people that are like us, that we want to hang out with. Like, I mean, is, is that is that the concept that we're, well, we're learning today? You said earlier, 80-20 rule, right? Mm -hmm. Like on paper, 100% of the time, that would be great. There's going to be always going to be circumstances that, you know, that 20%, maybe it's transactional or whatever it might be. But yeah, in a perfect world, we would spend 80% of our time doing the things that we enjoy with the people that we enjoy, yep. period, right? And so when you go do the things that you go that you enjoy, naturally, you're going to have good energy. If you go do something that you hate doing, then you're going to have bad energy. You're not going to be the best representation of your own self anyway. So if you hate going to networking events, then stop doing it, I would tell people. Yeah. Right? There's other ways for you to go grow your business and, and to get in front of the right people. Because you're not going to put off the best representation of your own self doing those activities anyway. So that's a, it's a, and I know we're saying loan officers, but the reality is this is just life in general, right? Like these little fundamental things, go do the things that you enjoy with the people that you enjoy. Life is going to be so much easier for you and so much more rewarding 
for you and for the people around you because of it, whether it's your family, your kids or whatever, because if you're showing up working in an occupation, an occupation is something that occupies your time versus a vocation, which is your voice or calling in life, then other people are going to notice that. Oh, I love that. Hold on. So <laughs> occupation versus vocation. Yes. And occupation is something that occupies my time. Yep. So not advisable to be looking for an occupation. No. Well, and it's just not sustainable. You know, it's an, working in an occupation, which is just collecting a paycheck, just over broke, right? A job, J-O-B, uh, versus your vocation. And again, we don't talk about this stuff in schooling that much, unfortunately. But a vocation is like your voice or calling. Just like I get on these podcasts, I do it because I love doing it, man. I love teaching. I love sharing. And it's fun. It's energy compounding versus energy draining. And when you work in an occupation, it's energy draining versus energy compounding. So when you get to do the things that you enjoy with the people that you enjoy, hopefully it's energy compounding and other people are naturally going to be attracted to you because of it. That is fantastic. Voice and calling. Voice, vocation. Vocation. Voice or calling in life. Voice or calling in life. Um, what are the five steps have we have we not, not hit on? Yeah, you know, uh, actually, I just want to add something you guys can edit out if you want to. Yeah, but no. talking about the, the voice or calling in life, you know, talking about loan officers or real estate or, or whoever is out there. You know, so many times I hear people just kind of say, like, I kind of fell into mm -hmm. real estate or mortgage or title or whatever the industry might be. And it's like, listen, I get that, but that's not going to be a compelling thing to tell other people, right? So we got to, we got to, we got to kind of pivot the way that you tell that story to the audience. And I would just say this, talking about everybody needs a coach in life or a teacher is if I quit coaching tomorrow and I became either, I would become either a loan officer or I would become a financial advisor. Okay. I already know that those would be one of the two things that I did because I can transfer the same skills that I already have, which is teaching and coaching other people. Just like as a professor, all I really did is, as a professor is take the same skill sets as a teacher, as a communicator, pivot over here in the coaching world and just happen to make more money doing it. Right. So that to me is vocation is understanding that. It's, it's having a passion to help other people reach that full potential. Yeah, you know, so interesting you, you say that because you're hitting so many uh, nails on the head. I mean, we're like building a house here in terms of things either that I preach, teach, or have experienced when I look at myself. People ask me all the time, well, you know, how did you become a loan officer? Because obviously I didn't go to school for it. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as like a mortgage degree. Now there's courses you can take. Zenix, you hear me uh, pumping them up out of Atlanta, a fantastic organization that can teach you the business. But it's like, what's your why? Mm -hmm. You and I were talking off camera about Renee Rodriguez mm -hmm. um, out of Minnesota, and, and he teaches Signature Story. And on my end, yes, I'm a coach at heart. And if it paid more, I'd probably be a high school teacher. Mm -hmm. But my, my energy is in teaching. My energy is in being an educator and knowing that I can bring a voice to someone that is different or hopefully better. Maybe I can explain things in a way that makes sense better than the next person can. Yep. Ultimately, you're going to get a 30-year fixed mortgage, a 30-year fixed mortgage, a 15-year fixed mortgage is just that. But maybe I helped explain it in a manner that you're like, wow, yep. I learned something. And the minute I hear I learned something, then I get fulfilled. Yep. So then now when, when we go to hire people and, and we, we hire loan officers with experience, we hire loan officers with no experience and train them up. And when I hire the loan officer with no experience and I train them up even more so with them, we start talking about in the interview process, their signature story. What's your why? Mm -hmm. you know, why do you want to become a loan officer? And we have a, a one of our loan officers, a guy by the name of Todd, love his signature story because he lost a house to short sale that he never should have bought 
And he goes, I don't want to create any more me's. Mm -hmm. I'm going to become a loan officer so that I know no one's going to have to go through and feel what I felt because he felt like had he been educated about the process better up front, maybe he would have realized that buying that house during that time in his life wasn't the best decision. That was his, his why. And you know, when, when I hear you say it, it's almost like validation. Like, okay, we must be doing something right then. Because yep. um, I have said for years and years, almost jokingly, oh, I would have been a teacher if they paid enough. Yep. What I probably would have said had I gone to 90daysales.com and <laughs> met you earlier in my career, although you were probably still working on your dissertation when I was already like in year five of my mortgage career. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I, I probably would have learned how to vocalize or how to put in words a little bit less dismissive, like, yep. oh, yeah, I couldn't find anything else to do, or I would have been a teacher that paid more and, and more emphatically stated, yep. no, I love giving back. I love helping people. I love coaching people, and I love teaching people. Yep. I'm also driven by financial success. By financial success, meaning the number on my W-2 being as big as possible. Loan origination Mortgage banking gave me that opportunity to combine the two. Yep. I can coach, I can mentor, I can teach while also having an income that is uncapped. Dustin, is- here's, here's something to think about, and, and you're, you're spot on with all this. Again, that's why I knew that we would we'd gel together well uh, going through this. But, but think, of, um, you know, think of your vocation, your voice or calling for, you're saying, a teacher, mm-hmm. right? Like teacher, trainer, coach. To you, that's... And, and, and whoever's listening to this, a lot of you guys, it's not brain surgery, right? It's like, like not rocket science. A lot of you guys are teachers, trainers, coaches, right? So that's the commodity part of it, but that's your vocation. But the vehicle that you choose to distribute that is as a, as a loan officer, right? Or yep. as, a, as a manager now um, to other people. And so that's how other people need to hear this is you're not just, I just fell into mortgage, whatever it is. No, I'm a teacher. I'm a communicator. I'm a trainer. I'm a coach, whatever it is. That is, you just so happen to use mortgage as the vehicle with which you get to go help people make a bigger impact in their lives. Yeah, because my, my vehicle could have been grad assistant at a small right. college um, with a, some kind of a stipend to be on the football team equipment manager in hopes that one day I'd be the assistant special teams or one day I'd be the assistant wide receivers right. till eventually I'm an OC or a DC and then I'm moving up the ranks. Yep. I mean, it, it, but that would have been one vehicle. Uh, my vehicle just happened to be in, in the the personal finance world, which is where I would slide yeah. uh, mortgage loan originator. But to, to your point, it could have been life insurance. It could have been a financial advisor. It could have been a realtor, yep. whether commercial or, or residential. It could have been so many different things. Now, it couldn't have been anything that required medical because I get queasy at the sight of blood. So <laughs> I'm with that, you there. That, on that, one. that it couldn't have been. Yep. But it, it it could have been so many other things. Yeah, and if you think about like people that are out there, um, you know, like let's say you're necessarily didn't want to be a teacher or a coach or something like that. Uh, let's say you just like smoozing. You like building relationships, right? Well, that's another part of your of your role as a loan officer is going out there and building those connector relationships, right? So more of the business development side of things. So that's kind of the two buckets I, I typically put things in, right? You're a, a teacher or, you know, a trainer at heart uh, or you're maybe more business development at heart where you want to go meet everyone that you can possibly meet and all those kinds of things. Um, or there's a hybrid of both of those. But that's kind of the vocation is a lot of people, if you if you really think about it, they fall into those buckets or it's technical skills, right? It's, it could be video editing, all you know, all those different kinds of things. Yeah. And that's um, sometimes you just sit down and look deep inside of who you are. 
in order to get that out? Is there any tips or tricks on that? Like, how do we, how do we do that soul searching to figure out who we are? Or is that a whole other episode in itself? It's, that would probably be a whole other episode. Uh, one of the, one of the quick exercises that I learned early on from Dan Sullivan, Dan Sullivan's one of the top financial services coaches in the world, if not the top, um, he calls it the unique ability letter. So when you're early on in your life, when I was writing my book, Nextbird at 25, 26, I was like studying, again, successful people and I'm a millennial. And the last thing that I want to do, like the millennial generation, right? The stereotypes, what are they? Can you give me some? Um, so I hate, so one, I hate the term millennial. Um, and I, and I don't, don't, don't like stereotypes in general, but if I, if I were to guess, if I were to close my eyes and squint really hard and think, put myself in a, as a boomer, as my, my, my 15 year old calls anyone like over the age of 40, they're boomers to him. Um, but I'm like, well, I can't be a boomer cause a baby boomer. And we, that's a whole nother digression, but a millennial, um, not in a hurry to grow up, not in a hurry to settle down, maybe, uh, not the, the most driven to work a lot of hours yep. and grind it out. I think that's some of the negative connotations that the term millennial would have. Yep. Um, based on my experiences. Yeah. Self, uh, you know, lazy, entitled. Entitled, yes. Yeah. Immediate gratification, right? All those, all those things. And I was, I remember being 23, 24, 25 and hearing all those terms. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be any of those things, right? So a lot of times in life, we have to move in the opposite direction of the world's negative pole. So I'm over here studying all those negative stereotypes. And I write a book at 25, 26. And when you write a book at 26, man, people are going to look at you funny. Like, what do you know? Like, yes. who are you going to go yep. teach? And I'm like, I don't really care. I'm just studying all this stuff. And I'm realizing that there's like three areas. But one of those that when I was studying all that in, in preparation to help my own personal brand, and that was when personal branding was just getting started. Uh, you know, I, I stumbled upon Dan Sullivan. And he talks about the unique ability letter. The unique ability letter is we all have unique ability, just like a vocation, right? So write a letter to the five to 10 people that you trust and respect the most and just ask them, like, what do you really enjoy about me? Like hanging out with me personality wise, what are some things that I Ooh, do that's really scary. well? That's... But you'll start to see little themes within those. And now from there, like that's just a really quick, and and you tell the person that you're like, like I know this is gonna be weird. I know you're gonna think I'm like, I'm going crazy, but you know, I'm doing this unique ability letter exercise. So if you're younger out there, you know, that's just an easy way for you. And you'll start to see certain keywords and themes you know, so the ones that I saw were, were self-confidence, very driven, uh, stubborn, difficult, you know, all those kinds of things. But you start to learn your story around it. You start to package up your little story within having all those words. And that is the key, though, is you hear those words and then it's like, all right, well, where, why do those exist? They typically exist because of your unique past, your struggles, your experiences, your mentors, your education, right? So that's what I talk about. Don't suppress the past. Celebrate it. That's what makes you who you are. Um, so doing exercises like that, it's, it can feel like they're corny and cheesy and self-discovery and, and, and improvement, but they're vital for, for your future self to really tap into that and tap into those stories and now give those the meaning. Like you're talking about, I think it was Todd, the, the person yes. on your team, right? Like so many of us don't have those stories that give it substance, like train people outperform untrained people. Again, that's not earth shattering. Everybody needs a coach in life. That's not earth shattering. But it's the story behind the story that gives it credence for me that now that now other people are going to trust and respect me because of the stories that I'm giving. They're not just words on paper. They're, they're actually stories that I've lived because of it. And now they're gonna like, oh, my gosh, yes. Now I know why you do what you do kind of a thing. So that would be an exercise talking about, you know, trying to figure that out would be 
write a unique ability letter to five to 10 people that you most trust and that have known, that have known you the longest and you'll start piecing together these defining moments in your life. And now it becomes fun, man. I love it. Absolutely love it. That is all the time we have for this episode. Dr. Bruce Lund, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to learn more about what you do, how you help business professionals with their mindset, with coaching opportunities, what's the best way to, to, to find you and then get a hold of you? Yep. So 90daysales.com is my website. Uh, you know, we do specialize in working with that next generation, younger, newer loan officer. Uh, helping the quote-unquote solopreneurs go out there and build their sales, service, marketing, and mindset. And, uh, you know, I know the Zenix is great. I know there's a lot of great coaching programs up there. But, man, I strongly believe that we are the best of the best when it comes to that next-generation loan officer. So go to 90daysales.com. Uh, otherwise, email me, Bruce, at 90daysales.com. And I'll even give out my cell phone because I don't have a problem doing that, 615 615- Four one zero six five zero nine, And don't be confused when it says Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That is his phone number. Um, <laughs> promise you it threw me off the first time because I'm like, yeah, this guy's in Colorado, but I'm getting to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's where he went for uh, for college and um, 90, 90, 90daysales.com. Correct. Awesome. Dr. Bruce, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Austin. Awesome. Um, will you stick around for one, one more episode? For sure. Awesome. So uh, check this out. If you're tuning in right now, tune in in a couple days and we're going to drop episode number two with Dr. Bruce. Check him out, 90daysales.com. We'll actually go through the five habits since you, you kept asking me that and I kept skirting around it. So that's what we'll do. There we go. 